You're listening to sermons from La Cunada Congregational Church and Pastor Kyle Sears. Join us in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. in La Cunada for worship. You can find more information about our church online at lacanadachurch.org. For those of you that ever raised toddlers, they probably would say things, but it was just off of normal of how they're supposed to be said because they're still learning language. And when my kids would do that, I found that there were some of their phrases or words that I began to pick up and I still use to this day uh, because I just found it so endearing. And so uh, Yosef would often say, I want that my birthday. Um, and so I still, if there's something that I like, I'll just say, I want that my birthday. Um, Kylie would call me Dida instead of daddy. Um, and, uh, and she would also, instead of saying like um, she, something happened a lot or that it was all the time or very much, she would, um, she would say um, things like, uh, it's too many. And so I, I often will still say, you know, I'm too many tired right now. Um, Kat would say, uh, what you said? Um, and so I'll still sometimes respond to the kids that way. Uh, or when she was upset, she'd say, I don't like that. Um, and so I, I don't like that. And I still often will pick up on their language. And sometimes my kids pick up on my language. I know it's not always great. Um, but, you know, if we hang out even with other people long enough, we begin to pick up their own kind of language cues. And, uh, and language is quite powerful in, in influencing how we come to see the world around us. It actually helps us to shape our understanding. Um, James considers our speech and our language essential to our faith, that it's powerful enough to create and destroy and provides us some teaching as we consider how powerful the language we use can be. And so I'll read from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are so large that it takes very strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh And so James considers words to be as powerful as wildfire as he instructs his readers about the dangers that our speech can hold. And few of us us will remember our own sparks that we have used to set ablaze someone else. And yet for many of us, we can still think back to how burning it was when we've heard a word that was set upon us. Words that have wounded us so deeply that linger and whisper to us still, but could probably not be recalled by the loved one who said it in the first place. That realization is kind of scary for me, knowing that there will be words that I've said to my children, either hastily chosen or even worse, completely unconsidered, that I've completely forgot about, and yet they still remember. 
James says all of us make mistakes. He says no one is so perfect as to be able to control their speech, which is why teachers should be doubly careful. He's basically saying no one, no one should be a teacher. Uh, don't, don't seek that out because you're gonna be graded on a curve and it's not in your favor. <laughs> it's gonna be worse because teachers carry the potential for great harm as much as they do for great good. I mean, I shudder to think how an ill-formed sentence could either hurt someone's need or provide an excuse for bigotry or hatred or Christian nationalism. James says that teachers like him and like me could find ourselves caught up in such a way that we actually lead others astray. And so it's tempting to read, I think, this passage about speech and turn it into a discourse about words, and I want us to be careful of that. Um, Growing up, I realized that each family had its own list of, of bad words that you weren't allowed to say. Um, some kids could say just about anything in front of their parents. Um, Yosef has a friend who comes over to the house and can say just about anything in front of other adults. We're like, all right, that's new. That's uh, not, not used to a little kid saying stuff like that, but hey, you know what? To each their own. Uh, my mom had supersonic radar hearing, and so we would never say anything out loud that she could hear. I mean, under our breath with backs turned as we're walking away from her, sure, sure, um, But I do remember one time after school, before my mom got home, you know, latchkey kids of the 80s, uh, locked all the doors, and uh, me and my brothers uh, basically would yell out the curse words we weren't allowed to say as loud as possible to kind of get it all out of our system before mom got home. Um, Don't do that, kids. Um, But I also learned that you don't have to be crass in order to curse someone. That that lies and accusations, demeaning and dehumanizing language can be used by people with small vocabularies that don't have the the long list of words that my mom taught me and I now teach my kids. Um, And it can still do a lot of harm. And so the nature that James says that language has is this untamable beast and that its wildness often causes mayhem and destruction if we let it loose, if we don't keep it in check. That our tongue can destroy people, people that God loves people that God created to reflect God's love to the world. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will scar our souls, is what James says. That we will assassinate others' character just through insinuation or questions. I'm just asking questions that end up withering away within. And it's often with the people that we love most that we know which words will be just right to ruin their day with our mouths locked and loaded and ready to fire. Now, often when we use language like that, it is out of our own sense of insecurity or fear or self-protection. We can justify the words we've used to cut someone down because we feel that if we don't start it, they're gonna start it on us. It's the cycle of destruction that James says, that our tongues burn through the generations, passing torch down the line so that others continue this legacy of ruin, that the words we say that are meant to harm someone else are picked up and spread. And James will say that this, this idea originates in Gehenna, Gehenna was this local trash heap outside of Jerusalem uh, that just burned continuously uh, as, as people would keep adding fuel to the fire. Uh, that, that language of Gehenna eventually gets adopted in Christian writing and translated as hell. This, this idea of this foul and stinking burning that never ends 
and continually has more and more added that if we would just let it burn itself out, it could be gone, but we keep adding fuel to the fire, knowing that we are the ones who keep hell burning. It's a heavy text. There's not a lot of solutions that James offers. It's a lot of warnings. Uh, but I, I do see a couple of ways forward. Um, we could take James's region, uh, reasoning that, well, everyone does it, nobody's perfect, and lean on that as a crutch to say, well, I'm not perfect, so I'm just gonna you know, continue to mow people down and make them feel awful about themselves because, hey, I'm only human. We could try to balance our hateful speech with something kind, you know, like the compliment sandwich that people say you should do, you know, something positive, you're a jerk, something positive, send them on their way. We could all be deputized to become language police with like a big swear jar, you know, at church and in our homes and in our cars and everywhere we hear to, to stop the kind of speech that we don't like, to keep people from saying the things that, that we don't wanna hear. But I don't really think that any of those options are, are the ideal that James has in mind. By the end, he says that it is with our mouth that we bless God our Father while also cursing the children of God. He says, imagine it, blessings and cursing coming from the same source. We don't see something like that in nature. It is unnatural for us to find that when we look around and yet we see it here. James isn't saying that the blessings and the words of affirmation and the goodness that flows from us are somehow hypocritical because we say nothing but bad stuff otherwise. He's saying that it's not the way it's supposed to be. Once more, as he said in chapter one, we are asked to return to the mirror and look and see our face clearly, the way that God sees us. And when we look, we are not all tongues, wild and loose and rampaging. What we find is as we look in the mirror that God has placed before us, that we are taught that we too are children of God, that we bear within us the image of God that God has made and continues to remake us in the name of this love. That what is unnatural is not the good that we would say, but it's the bad. And that by leaning into this identity as beloved, as created in the image of God, as welcomed into this space, it allows us then to reform and control the most destructive part of our body. It's not that we have somehow polluted the stream, that our vileness has corrupted the holy intent of God. Instead, James is saying our default setting is goodness. That's how we have been made. But for some reason, we keep going into the menus and changing everything because it temporarily feels good to say things that cut people down, make us feel better than them, or make us feel right and they were wrong, that we're good, and they're maybe not bad, but less good. That's good enough. James is saying that in the light of Christ, our place before God is clear. That it is love that rules over us. That our future is secure. And so we don't have to be afraid and use our language to push people away, to cut them down so that we might feel protected. That we are accepted and cared for so we don't have to make ourselves feel more accomplished than others by putting them down. That we have been welcomed into God's family and so we don't have to ourselves up against others. Now the reality is, is we've all had bad days. We can replay 
those words that come out of our minds and mouths that we know have hurt people. We don't have to pretend that we have everything under control, but we also don't have to pretend that there's no way to get there. I think that my language is always gonna have a little bit of East Texas trailer park in it. That's okay. My aim though is even within that vernacular, I can praise God and not harm people. In fact, I may be able to identify and lift them up, support them and encourage them. We should be a people who would welcome feedback, especially from those who hear our speech the most. Like James said, some of us are gonna be judged more than others. Parents to their kids, close friends, teachers. But we are a people who don't run from judgment, but instead embrace God as one who judges because we know that in the judgments of God, we find justice and mercy, truth and redemption, love and grace and forgiveness that allow us to assess and reassess where we are so that we might move forward that we are meant to then reflect the same kind of grace that God gives to us as we were trying to do our best to bless others. And so my invitation for us this morning is that we would be honest, that we would be willing to recognize when our tongue might scold or scald other people, that we might sense how our speech might change just a bit. Not that we just put a smile on our ridicule, but that deep in our hearts, we would find the overflow of God's grace coming out from us. And that we would look into this mirror and see who we really are. Not vile streams polluting this world, but instead people who have been made and called to be a blessing in the work we do and in the words we speak. That we would find God's redemption coming to us, but not stopping there, that we would extend it out to others that we would be a people who would commit to have open eyes, open ears, open hearts, so that when we open our mouths, the love of God finds others. Amen. <laughs>